0: Hello and welcome to Bone Up, the podcast all about bones, how we make them, why we break them and if we fully understand
1: them. I'm David Armstrong. Hi and I'm Richie Abel and over this series we're going to be exploring osteoporosis, bones, what we know and what we're yet to discover and we hope you will join us on the journey.
0: So for anyone keen to learn more about our infrastructure of calcified collagen, this is Bone up. Hello again, and welcome back to Bone Up, the podcast all about bones. Uh, It's nice to see you again, Richie. We've had a a very slight delay in getting this episode out for various reasons.
1: Uh, We both have real jobs, I suppose, but it's great to get back talking about bones. Oh, it's fantastic. It's really good to see you again. And uh, for the benefit of the listeners, we have a little video display so we can look at each other while we're talking and we find it a bit easier. How are you this week, David?
0: I'm not doing too badly. We're we're still still working hard in the hospital here, coping with the pandemic. But I do my best to uh, to get a little work done on bones as well, and all things osteoporosis. So uh, it's uh, and it's great to have the support. We've had lots of feedback from listeners, as you know, all around the world, and that's very encouraging, and uh, and that's very very positive. Um, my daughter was telling me she has been listening to the podcast. Uh, she tells me she listened to it when she was doing her shopping in Tesco's and that she finds it hilarious. So I I don't know what's more concerning, that she's not giving us 100% attention or that she seems to feel it's a, it's a comedy episode. But um, as I think you said in the previous podcast, that the, the family are always your harshest critics. So
1: It's good, it's good that they're listening. The latest download figures are looking really good. We've had over 1,300 downloads in 32 countries, which is great for three episodes, although I wonder how many of the downloads are our families.
0: (laughs) Well, people on Twitter have been very good supporting us as well and encouraging others to listen. So, so that's all, that's all very positive.
1: Yeah. A big thank you to everybody who's been contacting us on twitter and sending us emails it's really good to know that people are listening we're getting some really wonderful feedback so thank you very much it'll help us keep going
0: it's wonderful and there has been some comment on twitter this week osteoporosis has been i wouldn't quite say in the news but um there is, is a popular bbc uh, medical uh, program uh a medical drama called Casualty, and one of the one of the characters playing the doctor in Casualty gave out some advice about osteoporosis this week, and certainly lots of people have been on Twitter raising their eyebrows about the advice that was given out, uh, because that advice was that if you had osteopenia or osteoporosis, if you had weak bones, that you should avoid exercise and specifically avoid running, uh, and really we couldn't be more on point then with our Our topic today, which is about exercise and bone health and exercise and osteoporosis. Um, You're probably aware of that, uh, Richie. you, You saw that on Twitter.
1: I did, yeah. And it reminded me of last month's interview with Dr. Paskins. And Zoe said to us that when she was thinking about patient communication, she had the concept of one wrong word. And that's been ringing in my ear ever since last week. And I think this is a really good example of that, where a big media outlet has had one or two wrong words and misinformed the public. And it's really great, like you say, that this week we are going to be talking about exercise because it's a good connection between last month's episode and this month's episode. And it's obviously very timely. And I suppose the place to start is by... Asking you, David, about what you do in your clinical practice with your patients. How do you advise your patients? I
0: mean, I think the first thing to say about exercise, even talking before talking about any specific guidance, is just to get the message out there that exercise is good for bones. I mean, people understand that if they, if they exercise, they expect their muscles to get stronger. If they go to the gym, they expect their muscles to get stronger. And that's something we've mentioned before. Muscles and bones, they exist together in the body. They develop from the same stem cell. And therefore, you expect your bones to get stronger as well. Exercise is good for bones as well as, as, as muscles. Now, it may surprise you, and, and uh, I, I hope you will be surprised, Richie. I qualified as a doctor 26 years ago this year. It um, was just yesterday. Just yesterday, absolutely. And um, certainly when I started working as a doctor, it wasn't unusual for people to be admitted to hospital for rest. If you're having problems with your
1: muscles or your bones, you would be brought in for a good rest. Which guidelines do you recommend to your patients and why? Mm, I mean, there
0: are excellent guidelines from various bodies. The ones that I recommend to most people are those produced by the ROS, Royal Osteoporosis Society. They have guidelines called Strong, Steady and Straight. And those three different areas really sum up uh, exercise in terms of bone health. The the strong uh, area is i suppose what people would consider training and that is building up bones building up muscles doing resistance exercises things that you need to put your sports clothes on for steady is based on balance that's something which is often supervised by a physiotherapist but um, involves improving your balance improving your core strength and finally straight uh, is, is Based on the idea of caring for your spine, and, and and various exercises and stretches and advice you can do to prevent uh, further spinal fracture and, and care for the spine, and they really highlight a number of points. Um, just even on the on the front page of that guidance, that people should be doing more exercise rather than less if they have osteoporosis. And again, that goes directly against what you saw in that television program. Someone was told they had osteoporosis, they were told to do less exercise. It's the opposite we should be telling people. If you've got weaker bones, you should be doing more. We should be encouraging people uh, how to exercise, how to do the things they enjoy, rather than telling them not to do specific things. And finally, we should be uh, avoiding telling people to restrict exercise purely on the basis of, of a DEXA scan. In fact, if you if your bone density is low, you should be doing more.
1: The ROS guidelines seem quite simple and straightforward. Is that why you recommend them to patients?
0: Yeah, they they're both comprehensive and yet they really fit on a couple of sides of of, of paper and and you know they can be easily printed out and put on the wall of a surgery or, or put on the, on the on the fridge door at home. I mean, as I say, they they cover things you can do to uh, actually build your bones and make them stronger. And that can be using resistance bands or using weights or even exercising using your own weight. Um, They involve improving your balance, simple things like standing on one leg, um, usually worthwhile having supervision from a physio if you are quite frail and your balance is poor. And then things about about improving your spine low intensity exercise stretching swimming things like that it's set out really for people who are keen to go to the gym and do exercise and perhaps for whom sport has been an important part of their life there are also lots of examples there for people who don't really play sport, have never been to a gym, but who are there are other things they they, they can do. There, there, there's dancing, walking, all sorts of other ways to exercise. So they're very much aimed at patients. Uh, they're comprehensive. They're backed with a lot of science and people find them very helpful and very accessible. So without trying to reinvent the wheel, I would suggest to most people that they go and have a look at the ROS site and look at the, the strong, steady, and straight advice that's there.
1: So listeners, if you want to take a look, the website is theros.org.uk. We'd highly recommend taking a look. It's time for some wider perspective, so we had better get on to this month's interview. So I'm really excited today to say that we have Dr Alex Mavroidi, Senior Lecturer in the Physical Activity for Health Group at the University of Strathclyde, Glasgow. Alex works in the fields of nutrition, exercise, sedentary behaviour and of course, bone health. Welcome, Alex. Great to have you today. Lovely lovely to see you, Alex. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you for having me, guys.
1: Alex, I suppose the big question that we all have, scientists, clinicians, patients, the listeners at home, what are the major determinants of bone health, especially in older people?
2: Well, there are a number of influences of, of bone health. So there's an inter- Dependence of factors that could determine someone's bone health. Um, First of all, genetics. Um, uh, We know that about 85% of our bone mineral density is determined by genes. Um, And and therefore, there is a very, very strong influence on uh, the the way that our skeleton um, ends up. The other big influence comes from hormones. We know that as women get older and they go through the menopause, their estrogen levels go down, and that has a profound effect on their, their bones. But there's not much that someone can do about their genetics. You can't choose your who your mom or your dad was, and there's not that much you can do either for the natural decline of hormones that comes with aging. There is, however, something that you and I and everyone can do, about lifestyle choices. And they're also very important on determining how good our skeleton is going to end up being. So lifestyle choices like what we eat and drink and how much, how often, and what type of physical activity we do.
1: Interesting. So there's, I suppose, the non-modifiable risk factors and then the modifiable one.
2: Absolutely. So non-modifiable things like genes and hormones that change through the normal aging process and the modifiable risk factors, nutrition and physical activity.
1: For physical activity, there seems to be a lot of confusion about the effects and the importance of physical activity, especially in older people. In our intro today, we were talking about casualty on the BBC giving out poor advice, recommending no exercise to people with osteopenia and osteoporosis. I guess the burning question that our listeners are going to have is can physical activity improve bone health in older people, even in people with osteoporosis?
2: So the short answer to that is definitely. And now let me give you a kind of longer answer to that. We know that physical activity is very important throughout the lifespan for a healthy skeleton. The most um, if you want the most impressive influences on the bone on the, on the skeleton are during childhood and adolescence. That's when people build up their skeleton, and it's a very important uh, time during your life to actually give your skeleton a good start. Up until you reach peak bone uh, mass, which is in your kind of uh, late twenties. Once you've reached skeletal maturity, exercise also has a role to play in maintaining that good bone mass that you built while you were younger and also making small increases as well. So in younger age, in children and adolescents, you see randomized controlled trials that can achieve in a very small period of time impressive changes in bone mineral density. We're talking about five to 6% increases in older years, when you're in, in the adult stage, those changes also occur. So there is improvements in bone mineral density, but they're slightly smaller 1% to 2%. What happens when you get into the postmenopausal year and the older years of your life? Exercise also is very important for bone mineral density, but it's also important for other things that they uh, would uh, make sure that you don't uh, fall and fracture a bone. So exercise becomes very important for uh, muscular uh, uh, strength and balance, which will prevent people from having a fall and therefore prevent people from having a fractured hip or a fractured wrist. So the answer, the short answer is yes. Exercise throughout the lifespan is very important. Very important in younger years, during your adolescence for during your adulthood for maintaining bone mineral density, and in the older years, not only for maintaining bone mineral density and reducing how much bone mass you lose through the aging process but also for maintaining uh, muscle strength and balance that would reduce uh, your chances of falling and fracture.
1: So exercise then seems like a really good way to prevent falls that cause fractures, as well as improving bone health as well to resist the fall.
2: Correct, in, especially in older age, yes.
0: Hi Alex, um, I, I always end up getting the, the very practical questions, maybe that's how my mind works. So if you had an older patient who's come to see you who has osteoporosis, maybe they haven't been particularly active in the last five or 10 years and they were asking for just one way they could start or maybe just one or two things they could do they could change their lifestyle in terms of exercise. What would you advise them?
2: So the first thing that I would advise them is to minimize their sedentary time the time that they spend doing what we're doing just now, lads, sitting on a chair in front of a computer, sitting on a sofa, watching TV, uh, any type of activity that um, it's on kind of a a, a line uh, position or a sitting position. That is very important. We know that um, older adults spend an enormous amount of their daily routine um, sitting or spending it in sedentary positions. So about 80% of their waking days is spent on sedentary activities and that represents about 8 to 12 hours per day that people could be sitting and not doing much. So reducing the amount is very important of how much we sit but also breaking down uh, the, uh, the the long periods of sitting of sitting bouts effectively by simply just standing up every 30 minutes. So that's the first thing that I would say to them. Reduce how much you spend sitting about uh, and also if you are sitting um, because you're watching your program, make sure that you put your remote control on the other end of the sofa so that you have to stand up and break up your prolonged period of sitting um, and therefore becoming more active during your sitting time. So that's one. And the next thing that I would say for, for bone health is that every older adult should incorporate in their weekly routine at least two days a week of doing strength and balance exercises. Now strength exercises are important to keep our muscles and our bones and our joints joints strong and uh, balance exercises are important for older people to reduce their chance of frailty and, and falling. So I would suggest for things like building strength, things like you know, obviously, uh, doing resistance exercise. So like the stuff that you were talking earlier on, uh, David, uh, from suggestions from the Royal Osteoporosis Society uh, website. So whether you're using your own body weight, or whether you're using um, light weights, or whether you're using resistance bands. Or even whether you're doing yoga, for example, or even more simple things of everyday life, like carrying your heavy uh, bags with shopping around. That's the type of resistance exercise I'm talking about. And we need to be doing that at least twice a week. And equally, we want to incorporate it at least twice a week. Other exercises that improve people's balance. So things like Tai Chi, for example, has been shown to improve balance, especially in older people with osteoporosis. But other things like dance and balls and things like that um, could do the same thing. So challenging people's strength and balance is very important and reducing sedentary air time.
0: Mm, there's some very useful practical tips, particularly putting the remote control at the at the other end of the sofa. You know, some of us remember when you had to get up and walk over to the television and, uh, and change the channel. Um, this is all very, very good advice. And we spend a lot of time uh, giving this advice to people. In your experience, Alex, do you find older people living with osteoporosis do take steps to improve? And if they don't, then what are the sort of main barriers to them engaging in this healthier lifestyle?
2: So from my experience um, of um, kind of engaging with people with osteoporosis in a more educational, if you want, uh, role and speaking to a lot of, of newly diagnosed people with osteoporosis, especially those who come through the Royal Osteoporosis Society support groups, Come and listen to 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 kind of my talks. People are very interested uh, to know what they can do themselves uh, to improve their chances of refracturing, for example. Um, so especially newly diagnosed um, uh, patients have problems, got a wee fright, they, they, they now have got a new disease to deal with and they want to know, except from obviously taking the drugs that you guys prescribe, they also want to know what can they do themselves to improve their uh, uh, chances of, uh, reduce their chances of refracturing and regaining some um, self-confidence as well, because that's the one thing that we see with people who might have had a fall and, and a fracture, um, the fact that people, uh, People, um, there's an increased fear of falling in these people. And sometimes that increased fear of falling and lack of confidence in their own balance could lead them to stop doing exercise and stop doing the things that they enjoyed doing before they had that osteoporotic fracture. So people want to know, how can I get back to um you know, being able to dance with my partner, you know, and, and, and be able to play with my grandchildren again like I did before without being afraid of uh, me uh, falling again and breaking um, my, my wrist again or, or breaking in, in, in my, in another bone in my body. So they are very willing to, to listen to, to, to the advice. Um, the barriers that they put forward is that mainly that fear of falling. Quite often they will also say that, well, perhaps I don't have time to go to the gym or don't particularly enjoy going to the gym. But then that's when we talk about exercises that can be done at home. Without um, have for them having to go to kind of a group exercise a, a activity that's quite often um, a barrier for for joining exercise exercise groups in, in older adults. If I'm being honest, perhaps being ashamed that you can't you're not able to do as much as other people in the in that group, etc., um, etc. Et but the main motivator is I want to get back to what I was before, I want to have a good quality of life, and I want to be able to play with my grandchildren.
0: So thinking about the research that you have done or that you're aware of, uh, Alex, I've read some stuff and and there's a, a suggestion that men and women perhaps benefit differently from exercise or physical activity, particularly in the older age group. Have you any insights into that for us or for our listeners?
2: How, we res- how our body responds to any type of exercise is very individualized. In general terms, for both men and women, the lower your baseline level of physical activity, the greater the health benefit that is associated with an increase in physical activity. So your starting point is very important. If you start low, then anything you do will help you improve bone mineral density and and generally bone health. And the lower you are, the greater those increases that you're going to see. There are some changes, there are some differences between men and women and how they respond to kind of um, exercise. You also need to remember that in general terms, um, men exhibit, about 20% higher bone mineral density compared to women. So not only it is important the, the, the starting level of physical activity, but it's also your starting level of bone mineral density as well. So men, generally speaking, have got stronger bones than women in general, probably because they're bigger as well, right? Okay. So um Taking those two things into account, and also some results that we have found uh, in our systematic review about sedentary behaviour and bone health, but also other people have found, there seems to be a slight difference on how men behave compared to women as far as bone mineral density is concerned. So we looked at um, the evidence on sedentary behaviour and bone mineral density, and we found that, in general terms, um, the women seemed to have, there seemed to be some positive associations between higher, um, uh, between sedentary behaviour and bone mineral density, while the opposite was true for men. So basically, women, those who had higher levels of sedentary behaviour, seemed to have worse bones and, and vice versa, for, 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 for men. Why would that be the case? Well, there could be a, a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is what else do you do instead of sedentary behavior? So it appears that quite often in in men, what we find is that yes, they might have high levels of sedentary behavior, but also they have higher levels of um, MVPA. So, a moderate vigorous physical activity. And therefore, that moderate vigorous physical activity that they do could be the dominant um, a part of physical activity that gives them the positive association with BMD.
1: And what is that moderate exercise?
2: So moderate physical activity is any type of activity that increases your breathing while you're still able to talk. So a brisk walk would be a good example of moderate to vigorous physical activity, Um, or um, um, going for a cycle or going for a swim. More vigorous forms of that activity would be, instead of going for a brisk walk, going for a run, playing sports, climbing stairs at a quick pace. So any type of activity that makes you be out of breath will, but while you're still able to talk to your friends, if you were, for example, going out for a walk, that's moderate um, a, a moderate to intensi- moderate vigorous intensity physical activity. So what we're finding is that men, yes, they're sedentary, but they seem to have bouts of these um, a moderate to vigorous activity during the week. And, and because they do that, they seem to have, um, they seem to have kind of better bones. On the other hand, you've got women who might also have prolonged periods of sedentary behavior, but they don't engage in these moderate to vigorous physical activity. They tend to do more light type of activities, more activities, for example, like um, you know household work um, or you know uh, uh, doing lighter activities that they don't increase your, your breathing. That could be one of the reasons. And the other reason is obviously that sedentary behaviour is not only important as an entity, but it's also important how often you break up sedentary behaviour. So more frequent breaks during sitting time could explain the differences that we see between men and women.
0: So they may be cultural or societal change. Reasons rather than physiological
1: ones, almost.
2: Yeah, it's complicated. That's what it is, lads, if I'm being honest.
1: As a scientist, a non-clinician, I haven't really had that much experience talking to patients. But I have been to a few Royal Osteoporosis Society events, and I've got to talk to patients there. And they've told me their stories about how they've had a vertebral fracture because they've lost body height. They can't eat properly. There's not enough space for their stomach. People have told me about how they've, they're not able to go out anymore, they're missing their friends, they're missing their family. People have told me about how vertebral fractures have led to them not being able to work anymore, losing their income, losing, losing friends that way, the people that they, they work with. And I get an overwhelming response from them, which is, what are you gonna do? for my grandchildren and for my children. And I just wondered what advice could you give to people, you know, who are suffering from osteoporosis, who should be talking to their children and grandchildren about it. What should their children and grandchildren do? So they don't have osteoporosis when they're older.
2: So I would say to tell them to go out and play outside as much as possible. Um, go out and climb trees and run and uh, play rounders and play football and do loads of different uh, activities that um, involve a lot of uh, impact uh, on the bones, a a lot of weight-bearing exercises, a lot of jumping. Um, uh, that would be the best type of activities you want to do for building strong bones during childhood. Um, you also want to be out and about to get um, as much vitamin D as possible um, from the sun, or, or um, uh, 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 during the kind of the the, the summer time, um, and drink your, uh, you also want to be having a fair amount of calcium in your diet, so do not replace your glass of milk with a glass of fizzy juice, Uh, drink a glass of milk, that's very important, Um, and generally speaking, have a healthy balanced diet that is very important, uh, not only for your bones, but for your overall health, during um, childhood and uh, young adulthood. And that would set you up for how your body is going to respond later on in life. For bone health, for osteoporosis, it's very important to build a very strong skeleton while you are growing. And a good, a good diet and um, exercise will help you with that. But for other things as well, so for cardiovascular, for your cardiovascular risk, um, as you get older, the foundations of a good cardiovascular uh, health are, are built as well during childhood and um, young adulthood. So that would be my advice to them: go out and play, enjoy physical activity in general, because that enjoyment is very important. It means that physical activity will be more sustainable, even in in older years as well. Um, And um, have fun um, and continue doing that throughout life.
1: So there you have it, listeners. Go and spread the message to your families. Um, Thank you, Alex. That was a really wonderful interview. Fascinating answers. (laughs) Delighted. Loved it.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, it's really great really great to
0: have you. And uh, thanks very much for your contributions and for the the clarity and brevity of your contributions. I'm in awe of your brevity.
2: There you go. (laughs) Fabulous. Thank you so much for having me, guys. And this is a great podcast. So for your listeners, keep on listening. I'm sure there's more to come in the future as well. I wish our
0: listeners could see your hand movements and the passion and enthusiasm you put into all your
1: answers, Alex. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. David, I thought that was a really fascinating interview with Alex. What were your key takeaways? I
0: mean, I think the general takeaway is that exercise is something we should be very positive about in terms of bone health. Um, in terms of what I advise patients, it's something that you should enjoy. Uh, your osteoporosis management. It's, it's a lifestyle choice. That's something we've, we've come across before. Going to the gym may be something that attracts you. It may not. If it's not, then there's dancing, there, there's hill walking, there's playing with the grandchildren. There's, there's do something that you enjoy, because if you enjoy it, you're more likely to make it part of your lifestyle in the long term. And this is a long-term commitment that we, that, that we need. I mean, thinking of the patients that I see, um, there are some who, haven't taken part in much physical activity who are quite frail who are unsteady and for that group of people i would probably urge them to look at at the balance uh, area first the the sort of steady area from the royal osteoporosis society project uh, maybe before they go on to the sort of stronger resistance type exercise because as, as alex mentioned fear of falling can be a problem uh, and, and so if, if you're if you've been a long time since you've been physically active, start with the balance, start with the steady, start with improving your your, your core strength. And then I suppose finally, we, we've we've talked in previous podcasts about, about empowerment, and people will still come back to me at times and say, I went to the gym, I filled in the, the application form, and when I ticked the box for osteoporosis, they said, I'm sorry. We, we don't want you here or they may have said I went to a trainer and the trainer was very reluctant to advise me to exercise because I had fractured or perhaps even some physiotherapist would be, we'd be very cautious so be empowered by this take the information that you've heard on the podcast take what Dr uh, Mavrodi uh, d- discussed take what you find in the Royal Osteoporosis website and bring that with you and use that to to Get the information you need, get the advice you need, and to get the exercise you need for your bones. And as I say, be empowered by the by the information that that was available today here. And so, as, as a scientist, then listening to listening to our interview today, Richie, uh,
1: what what are your takeaway points from it? I was interested to hear that there was evidence supporting the two basic interventions that Alex suggested. Simply leaving the remote control for the TV at the other end of the sofa and getting exercise in daily life by carrying shopping home from work as a form of resistance exercise. It was really interesting to know that those kind of simple activities that we can all do as part of our lives are beneficial and effective. And it would be nice to get Alex back for another interview in the future, maybe to drill down into that a little bit more. And I was also really interested to hear about how building up bone health early in life is important for preventing fractures in later life. And I think it would be really great if our listeners who do have osteoporosis do go and tell their children and grandchildren about that. When I asked Alex the question about the advice that she would give, really, I've been to lots of events and. People have told me really horrible stories about the way osteoporosis has affected their lives. And they're so keen to do research. They're so keen for me to do research that will help stave off the disease for their children and grandchildren. I think it's a really wonderful thing.
0: Yeah, as clinicians, we tend to see people later in life when they're getting the consequences of osteoporosis and getting the consequences of not having achieved high peak bone mass and yet you often think, if I could only have got hold of this person 30 or 40 years ago, I probably could have done so much more then to prevent osteoporosis. Now, we're just we're just seeing them when they've got the consequences of, of, uh, of a lifetime, maybe of not being kind to their bones.
1: I suppose my job as a scientist researching bone health and fracture prevention is to put you out of a job.
0: I'd be happy for you to do so, Richie. Maybe we have a job in broadcasting.
1: (laughs) Maybe that's what we'll fall back on. Fingers crossed, eh? Well. I thought it was a really fun episode today. It's been really great to see you again. And see you and all the listeners at home next month. Bye-bye. Bye now.